K-A-L-W. I'm at a community garden in North Richmond where local residents learn how to plant and cultivate their own food. This used to be vacant public land, but it's now a thriving three-acre farm full of crops. There's cabbage, kale, mustard greens, collards, and onions growing in neat rows. There's even a greenhouse and a chicken coop, so you feel like you're in the countryside. And right on their front gate is a cardboard box offering free seeds for carrots, mustard greens, summer squash, and celery. This is one of seven local gardens and small farms run by Urban Tilth. They're a Richmond organization that's teaching and employing local residents to run a self-sufficient food system. This is What Works. We're talking about people and local groups who are innovating solutions around the Bay. I'm your host, Sonia Narang, taking you on a tour of neighborhoods where you'll learn about impacts that can stretch beyond the pandemic. Richmond is a city north of Berkeley and Oakland in the East Bay. Though it has a population of more than 100,000 people, there's a shortage of grocery stores. That's a result of redlining, systemic racism, and economic reasons for major supermarket chains. But people have found a way to access fresh food and produce without big stores. There are farmers markets, bodegas, and community gardens full of healthy food. Ren Farrell visited Urban Tilt's North Richmond farm and tells us how the garden is turning things around. Doria Robinson doesn't like to use the term food desert when she talks about her hometown, Richmond. She says it's more like a food swamp. Because there are a lot of places to get, kind of air quotes, food. (laughs) You know, food-like products. There's just not a lot of places to get healthy food. Doria is the executive director of Urban Tilth, a community garden project that's been around for over 16 years and operates seven community gardens in Richmond. Even people will say food apartheid, and that has more to do with the purposefulness of the lack of access to healthy food. At those gardens, they teach permaculture classes, run a CSA program, give away free produce, and teach people how to grow their own fruits and vegetables. They're trying to build a bridge over that food swamp. Right now, our primary push is to develop a a really phenomenal anchor for transformative, transformational work in North Richmond around food, our community empowerment, that can really, has the infrastructure to make impact for many generations, not just one. Doria learned how much there was to be gained by investing in your community when she was young. Growing up, she watched her grandfather and members of his church work together to develop economic power for Black people in Richmond. They bought property together, built houses, and then passed on what they had to their kids and grandkids. And it left a mark on Doria. It was revolutionary what they were doing, right? Like 16 Black families actually purchasing and holding land together in trust. And so when I come into wanting to do work that helps benefits community, I have that that kind of reference, you know? I visit their North Richmond farm in the middle of spring. The three acres are surrounded by two pretty busy roads, but it's beautiful. 
with chickens and bees and rows and rows of food. So this is uh, around 50 feet, four rows. <laughs> so I'm Deborah Sipinski. I am uh, planting some beans. Deborah's the lead farm manager here. Uh, and we plant them kind of close together, like about four inches apart each, each bean. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna have a lot coming out of this small space. There are 15 or so people moving around. A lot of them are locals, and they're all young. Late teens, early 20s. Doria says that's intentional. I think that that is one of the hidden kind of things that Urban Tilt does, is create these opportunities for young people who are inspired. They actually want to move a community towards what's good, you know, and they want to you know, have their life's energy invested in creating the world they want to live in. It shows. Everyone's super cheerful. And I feel bad when I have to ask if they wouldn't mind turning the music off. Um, we can do a period without it, for okay. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are filling CSA boxes with food from the gardens and other local farms. Others are weighing and packing produce. Uh, currently, I'm uh, bagging salad mix. Um, that we give out, and uh, it's very fun. I have to bag like 100 and, 151 of these before they finish everything else. When I walk up to Andres Felix, he has his back turned to the group. He's tall and kind of looming over this giant box of mixed greens, head down, headphones in. It's sort of like a game <laughs> to see if you could uh, beat them first. So hopefully I win. He's 19 and says he wasn't really into farming before he started working at Urban Till. I planted a tomato once in Mexico. That's about all my experience goes up to. But now he's the coordinator for their free farm stand. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we post up at a spot in Richmond where we give away excess produce from our farms and from the packs. The free farm stand has become especially popular in the last year when so many people lost their jobs because of COVID. Almost everyone I talk to says working the free farm stand is the best part of the job. Because there's a whole bunch of ladies that live around here that rely on the fruits and vegetables at the farm stand. They'll come every day that we have the farm stand to get it. That's Ebene Mason, a CSA coordinator at Urban Till. She packs CSA boxes with mushrooms while we talk. Doria tells me the demand for these boxes skyrocketed once COVID hit. We're being flooded with, can you help this family? Can you get food to this one? This grandma is by herself, she can't go out, you know? And so we were just like, we have to push ourselves to expand. Like we, we have to push ourselves to do what we can to rise to the needs in this community. She says that COVID hit Richmond particularly hard. About 10% of Richmond residents have tested positive at one point or another. And she thinks the lack of access to healthy food is partially to blame. People aren't having a vegetable and meat in a grain, you know? Yeah. They're just hitting that fat and meat and white bread, you know? And their bodies are not strong. She says you have to take care of your health before you can take care of anything else. We don't have the baseline to be resilient, you know? So we get hit hard by all of these things. Our economy is, 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 is broken the way our health is broken. But she doesn't think corporate grocery stores like Safeway or Whole Foods are gonna solve Richmond's problems. Corporations don't have ties to community um, the way 
that smaller businesses may have had in the past. In other words, they open up when it's profitable and close down when it isn't. And she says the needs of the community are rarely, if ever, considered. There used to be more grocery stores in Richmond. There was actually a Lucky's and a Safeway right next to each other on McDonald Ave. But what they did was they closed that one and focused all the attention on the one in El Cerrito, which is higher profit, you know, higher medium income, and, and, and expect everyone to just drive there because everyone who, they're cared, who they care about probably has a car <laughs> and, and can go there. So Urban Tilth is filling the void left by corporate grocery stores. On top of running seven community gardens and their CSA programs, they're in the process of opening a food co-op in North Richmond. But we believe that if people from the community who want to own a grocery store have the opportunity to be trained to get the capital they need to run, get started, um, and to move towards profitability, that that could be a place that would be long-term committed to the community. They're still in the early stages of this. Right now, they're just putting together a proposal. But if they're successful, Richmond would finally have a grocery store whose main priority, like Urban Tilth's, is its community. That story was reported by Ren Farrell. You can see some photos of his tour on our website at KALW.org slash what works. Now we're leaving this area of open spaces behind and heading to the heart of downtown Richmond, near the Iron Triangle. On the way, I'm passing some of those bodegas and small markets I talked about. There's Mi Pueblo, Mi Ranchito, and a place called One Stop Market, all of which sell produce, groceries, and fresh meat. I'm now a block away from the BART station on busy McDonald Street. Nice job! You know, it's pretty calm and peaceful. Nothing seems to be moving. Everything is uh, Richmond cool. That's the sound of bikes cruising the streets of Richmond. It's from Rich City Rides' YouTube channel. Now I'm outside the group's bike shop. It's in a red brick building surrounded by colorful murals. On one wall, there's a giant mural of fit riders on bicycles looking pretty cool in their helmets and sunglasses. Here, bikes rule, and the sun-filled shop is stocked with bicycles of all sizes and colors. Rich City Rides uses bicycling to help Richmond residents make physical activity a part of their daily life. By promoting fitness, they aim to prevent and manage health issues such as diabetes, obesity, and more. Najari Smith founded Rich City Rides in 2012. He saw it as a way to teach bike maintenance to youth and equip them with bikes and helmets. During the pandemic, Rich City Rides became a much needed community hub where young people could ride bikes for safe and healthy social interaction. Reporter Carla Estevez has the story of Rich City Rides. On a Thursday evening last month, hundreds of bubbles were floating around the Richmond BART. There was also a drone, loud bumping music coming from portable speakers, dozens of bikes, and of course, bikers. Parents and kids, teenagers, people of all ages, with road bikes, mountain bikes, cruisers, and lots of different colors. 
It's the typical atmosphere for the third Thursday night ride. It's one of many group bike rides around Richmond, organized and led by members of Rich City Rides. They're a nonprofit with a co-op bike shop in Richmond that promotes health and community through bikes. Nearly every week, they meet up somewhere, check in with each other, catch up with friends, and then they roll out to ride for a couple of hours together. Sometimes they ride on Thursday nights, but usually on Sunday mornings. No, we, we call it self-care Sunday, but really what we do is community care. That's Najari Smith. He's the founder and executive director. And he says, if you don't have a bike, no sweat. Anybody who needs a bike can get a bike for free from Rich City Rides. It's like the the starting ticket for, for becoming a part of, of, our, of our bicycle family. If you need a bike and you want to come on the ride, we'll give you a bike as we have available. And you can come and ride with us. You come on one to four rides and we just tell you to take the bike home and bring a friend next time. Najari founded Rich City Rides back in 2012 after getting involved with the city's bike advisory committee. Small group rides every few months turned into large group rides almost every week. After those started gaining popularity and the right business space popped up, he created a worker-owned bike shop just two years later. It's been an organization that has, um, has created a bike shop because it was a piece of missing infrastructure in the city. Meaning there was actually no bike shop in Richmond at the time Rich City Rides created one. The bike shop's co-founder, Tay McGee, says the shop acts as a safe space where kids can talk to him about anything that's going on while they build bikes together. Yeah, the bikes are just a conduit, so like the, the kids come at me for the bikes, then I get to talk about all types of other stuff. He says if the bikes in the bike shop didn't exist... I wouldn't have any reason to talk to them. I wouldn't have, they wouldn't have any reason to approach me, I wouldn't have any reason to approach them. And that's important to Tay because he says it allows him to help kids navigate the world better. I never want none of these kids to be victimized the way that I was victimized and made to stay in one place. Tay and Najari also try to make group rides a safe, supportive space. They guide riders on safe bike routes, they visit different parks, and they do it all while wearing giant speakers on their backs, blasting music throughout neighborhoods. And their goal is working. Right before the pandemic, Najari says often 40 to 50 people would show up to the group rides. But regardless of the number, he says each new rider serves as a sort of living proof of the impact bicycles can have on the city and people of Richmond. If we want to make any real impacts, we have to do that locally. We have to do that regionally. The first impact is simple, health. Cycling has a ton of benefits for the body. Regular cycling makes the heart stronger, which then reduces the risk of cardiovascular disease. Riding together, Najari says, is a way to get more and more people to join in to reap those benefits. Sometimes it, it, it could start off as a kid riding a bike and then the parents trying to find out where, you know, where is such and such? And why are they, what are they always doing on, on, on Sundays? And then they come and find out and we give them a bike and they're riding with us too. Since the organization's inception, Najari and his team have given away over 2,700 bikes so far. Old bikes people donate to Rich City Rides goes directly into the hands of Richmond residents. Yeah, we do our best to make sure that those bikes are, are able to be recycled. They don't end up at the landfill and they, they're, put to, they're put to use. You know, a community member is able to utilize them for, for transportation, to get healthy, to inspire others to ride and to ride more often. 
And the weekly writers have become something like a watchdog for the community by reporting illegal dumping to the city when they pass it by on their rides. Piles of garbage along streets and vacant lots have become common in the city, and it's created what Najari says is an untrue reputation for the community. It's like an unfortunate propagated myth that the communities where the dumping happens is the community that's dumping on their own community. And I, I just don't believe that, you know, that's, that's just not true. He talks about one instance where they rode past a run-down boat on the side of the road and reported it. And what happened after that? The next day, somebody put trash in it. He says the city never came to pick it up, but that doesn't stop them from continuing to report waste. And sometimes they clean it up themselves by organizing volunteer cleanup days. So the weekly group rides have not only become a way for riders to care for themselves, but also a way to care for the whole community. Back at the Richmond BART station at the Thursday night ride, Najari and Tay round up the bike riders for a big group photo. All right, on the count of three, I want everyone to say, yay! One, two, three, yay! Then they clip on their helmets, turn up the volume on their speakers, and ride out as one. Now we can ride out. Whether it's through getting people to ride together, talking to kids, or helping to report dumping, the bike riders of Richmond push the pedals forward for healthy civic change. That story was reported by Carla Estevez. Check out some videos of their rides on our website at kalw.org slash whatworks. been listening to What Works, grassroots solutions around the Bay Area. In our next episode, you'll hear from a woman who has been working with families around East Palo Alto for four decades. Sometimes we'll get a call from a social worker or a public health nurse saying, I have this family, they've been evicted or they lost everything. And we'll put those families to the top of the line. I had a young man that called and say he had just found housing sleeping on the floor. And so he's picking up a bed this afternoon. I got a bed in today at noontime. He's picking it up this afternoon. That's Nevada Butler, who directs the Ecumenical Hunger Program. During COVID, they doubled their food giveaways and paired families in need with essential items, including beds for people returning from the hospital. That's all next time on What Works, grassroots solutions around the Bay Area. What Works is a production of KALW Public Media. Subscribe to What Works wherever you get your podcasts or at kalw.org slash whatworks, where you can find all of our stories. Support for this series comes from Renaissance Journalism's Equity and Health Reporting Initiative with funding from the California Endowment. Thanks also to the Association for Continuing Education, ACE. Our team includes the reporters you heard from today, along with Shireen Adil, Hannah Baba, David Boyer, Francisco Delgadillo, Gabe Graben, Angela Johnston, Marissa Ortega-Welch, James Rollins, and Ben Trefney. Thanks for listening to What Works. I'm Sonia Narang. <laughs>